the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The wrong things about Donald Trump. But here's what I want you to remember. I want to be the president for everybody. Everybody who agrees with me. People who don't agree with me. People who vote for me. People who don't vote for me. You crooked rat. Look what you've done. I'm melting. Melting. Oh, what a world. What a world. Welcome to the main event. You know, I had to play that clip just one more time before the end of the year. Depending on when you're hearing this broadcast, it's either going to be New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. But I thought that was one of the funniest things we've ever done on the show. I am Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store, and I'm filling in for Ed Hoffman. Ed is on vacation this week. He'll be back next week, so I'm filling in uh, behind the golden uh, main event microphone. Um, I just need to make my normal disclaimer, and that is I am not a professional radio talk show host. I uh, just sound like one. Actually, the fact of the matter is I'm just a regular person, just like you, but I'm very politically incorrect, and I have a big mouth, and I'm not afraid to use it, which, of course, makes me the perfect fill-in host for Ed. But before we get down to business, or as we see in Rialto, Bitness, I do need to, of course, acknowledge the main sponsor of the show, the founder of the feast, if you will, and that is Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender. Uh, as you know, WCC is based right here in Leland Buyer with offices all over Southern California. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call Ed at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, 855-640-2020. If you need to get in touch with Ed and you don't want to talk on the phone because you're kind of quiet and introverted like me and Ed, then visit WCCLoans.com, where it has all kinds of mortgage information for you. If you want to apply for a loan right now, go to the Loan Center tab and click on the Apply Now button. Or if you'd like to email him first, click on the contact page and fill out the form. It goes directly to Ed and his team. If there is any part of the show that you want to repeat it because you just think it's absolutely brilliant, go to edhoffman.net and click on the podcast page and listen to it on demand anytime you want. You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. And uh, be sure also to connect with the show on social media. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where he tweets about current events all week long. And if you want to like the show, you can do so on Facebook at Facebook.com, the main event, Ed Hoffman. So I've got a really big show for you planned, so you need to stick around with me for the entire hour because in the second half of the show, because we, we kind of like to, I want to look back at 
2016. What an eventful year it was. And I'm sure there's a lot of shows that want to kind of summarize the entire year. I'm not going to do that because I only have an hour, but I, I definitely want to at least highlight some things. So I'm going to take you through in the second half of the show, the top 10 biggest morons for 2016. And then I also have a farewell tribute to Hillary Clinton. So you definitely want to stay tuned for the entire hour for that. Uh, but I've got some cool stuff coming up right now. The first thing, though, I want to talk about is this outrageous U.N. vote that just happened. Um, and this is kind of one of those, thank God, Donald Trump will soon be the president, uh, because this happened in the U.N. Uh, several days ago, and it was um, probably not unexpected. But this was Resolution 2334, and this implicitly repeals the iconic Resolution 242, which affirmed that in the wake of the 1967 Six-Day War, uh, that all affected nations, obviously including Israel, had a right to live in peace within secure and recognized boundaries, free from threats or act of force. The, the point of all this was, for those of you who don't know about the 1967 war, this was where all the countries, or I should say most of the countries surrounding Israel, including Egypt and Iraq and Saudi Arabia, decided we're going to wipe Israel off the map. So basically, they had armies on Israel's borders. And if you've ever seen, I mean, take a look at Israel on a map. It's this little tiny sliver of, of a nation that's about as big as New Hampshire. These countries had decided they were going to destroy and probably massacre every man, woman and child in the state of Israel. This was in 1967. Israel actually decided, you know what, we're not just going to sit around here and be destroyed. So they acted preemptively. It was one of the biggest military upsets in world history. Israel basically went in there and wiped out the entire Egyptian uh, air force. Um, and uh, and let the world know that okay they were a force to be reckoned with they weren't they weren't about to go quietly into the night part of that war enabled them to take back parts of Jerusalem which is what this resolution seeks to undo um, it's actually it's absolutely absurd it's horrible and and thank God Trump's in there he tweeted out several uh, several tweets sent out several tweets regarding this issue his first tweet said. We cannot continue to let Israel be treated with such total disdain and disrespect. Uh, he went on to say, doing my best to disregard the many inflammatory President O statements and roadblocks. Thought it was going to be a smooth transition. Not. Um, finally, he tweeted out, we cannot continue to let Israel be treated. Oh, I'm sorry. I already said that. Not anymore. The beginning of the end was a horrible Iran deal. And now this this UN. Stay strong, Israel. January 20th is fast approaching. I will say one thing. I did not support Donald Trump in the primary as actually behind Ted Cruz. Once Trump was the nominee, I, um, I supported him 100%. But I have never been more proud of Donald Trump than I was a couple days ago. To hear him stand up to the UN and tell it like it is. Uh, I don't know if those of you may have heard what he said, but regarding the UN... He said that the U.N. had great potential, but it hasn't been living up to that potential. And thus far, it seems like it's creating more problems than what it's solving. Um, he also went on to say that he thought the U.N. was a complete waste of time and money as it currently stands. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, number one, I think Trump was probably the only person we had that could have won. But I can't picture Jeb Bush or, or probably any of the other candidates saying this about the U.N. It's so politically incorrect that I can only picture Trump saying it. So once again, thank God Trump is the president and we're about to embark on a new era in this nation. The next thing I want to talk about is um, something that I don't think has gotten enough 
enough attention. And that's the fact that it was Democrats in Democrat states that elected Trump to the White House. And I'm talking about Democrats in Michigan, Democrats in Wisconsin, um, you know, Democrats in Ohio. These are people that actually voted for Obama probably the last two times who switched for Trump. And I think the total number of counties that Trump switched was like in the 200s, like 217 counties that Trump actually flipped that were previously Democrat, but voted for Trump. And and I think when you when you look at that, it's like I granted the, the left is just come out and said, well, it's just a bunch of angry white guys uh, in these states that put Trump in office. And that's that's just that's just disingenuous. That's not telling the whole the whole truth. So there was a lot of Democrats who switched and voted for Trump. And I thought that I think it's important for everybody listening to kind of get in the head of one of those Democrats. So I brought in studio a Democrat, not just any run of the mill Democrat, by the way. This is a Democrat who actually was highly involved in Democrat campaigns, Democrat fundraisers. She was a, a delegate actually for Bill Clinton. Um, so somebody that had to vote for Obama twice, but flipped her vote for Trump. So without further ado, I want to introduce everybody to my sister, Janet, uh, to the main event. Janet, welcome to the main event. Thank you, Scott. All right. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you in studio. And I think that it's it's important for us as Republicans to, again, question people, particularly people that have made a, a switch. In other words, I used to be a Democrat. I voted for Clinton. I voted for Gore. That's really embarrassing for you to admit on the air now. But but I, I had a change of heart, and it was a variety of things that changed my opinion. So the first question I have to ask you, the obvious one is, what switched your vote to Trump? Well, Scott, it's first of all, let me say this has been the most fascinating presidential election of my lifetime. I can't remember an election that was so divisive, first of all. It also had two nominees who had a both had a high unpopularity rating mm-hmm. with the public. Um, it was absolutely fascinating. I began watching at the first debate when there were 17 Republicans on the stage. For me, for me with, with my political experience, I love watching the debates of both parties. I watch both conventions, try to pay as much attention as I can to what's going on. And I saw that there were 17 folks up on the Republican debate stage and I noticed that 16 of them were speaking in political platitudes. They all sounded like they were scripted by a campaign manager. They were very cautious about what they were saying. Then you had one individual who was very colorful, who was very unique, who seemed to be very independent, and due to his wealth, didn't owe anybody anything. He didn't need to be financed. He could basically finance his own campaign. He didn't rely on contributors who would influence and control what he would say and do. He was... And this individual, of course, was Donald Trump, a businessman with with no political experience. He was something different. He was unique. And the two things, several things struck me about Trump at the beginning um, that made him stand out in the pack. He, first of all, he was colorful. He would say whatever he would, whatever he thought he would say. Other people are very cautious. They want to do a spin control on every comment. They want, they're so careful not to offend anybody. But Trump just said it. And Trump was saying what a lot of people say in private or maybe think in private. He was actually saying some things out loud that other people were starting to notice. Um, Number one, he was the only candidate that was talking about bringing American jobs back to our country, bringing these companies that have fled to China, to Mexico, 
to other countries all over the world, bringing those companies back. So he was doing something um, pro- proactive to support the American economy. Secondly, he was talking a lot about veterans and their plight and what's happening with our VA system in terms of the inadequate health care and mental health treatment for our combat vets returning by the thousands from the from the situation in the Middle East, and they're not getting the treatment that they deserve. And you work with veterans too, by the way. I think yes, that should that, be mentioned. That's correct. Yep. I have a work history of helping homeless and disabled veterans. Yep. So I'm particularly aware of their plight and their situation. Okay. Last but not least, Donald Trump was talking about immigration, and he was talking about enforcing the laws that we have and pointing out that America cannot become a country of open borders. You know, if it does, we lose our identity. We lose our system of laws. We lose a lot. Um, And here we had Hillary Clinton, the candidate on the other side, who was wanting to increase immigration and increase immigration from Syria by, I believe it was 300 percent. Correct. Yeah. She wanted to basically kind of quadruple or even more what Obama has been doing already. So you saw that as a problem. And I also saw that Trump was not the traditional Republican. Mm hmm. That's yeah, he, for sure. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he said over and over, oh, I'm a conservative, I'm a conservative. But right. if you look at his record, he's really not. I see myself as more of a centrist Democrat. Okay. All right. Um, I've become more of an independent where I try to look at each issue carefully. What are the facts? I'm not so much interested in party opinions or really opinions. I'm more interested in what is the evidence? What is the information? And I think in this information age, we've seen a year where the media has totally gone awry. And Trump's ultimate victory was really an indictment of the corruption in the Republican and the Democratic Party and an indictment of the media, which oftentimes these days doesn't provide information as much as they're trying to tell us their view of things and how we should think. Wow, that's that's I mean, that's quite an intro. I mean, the point is you like Trump because he tells it like it is. I think you actually said that Trump's telling it like it is. Trump's telling it as he sees it. Okay. Um, based on the information that he has, he's not, he doesn't filter things. He doesn't, you know, sit in there with his advisors and get told what he should say, what he should refrain from saying. Right. And he doesn't have um, corporations that he owes allegiance to because of campaign contributions. Now, this is actually kind of really surreal to anybody that's listening, because my sister and I used to go rounds and rounds about we'd have these political debates, particularly around the holidays. Um, so that for us to be on the same side politically is almost a little surreal. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, now, you seem confident that he was going to win all along. Um, what what was that based on? Yes, I predicted, I believe I sent you an email, which I still have, that I sent early in August. And at that point, I predicted based on my experience as a political analyst, that Trump was going to win this election. And I was, while the media was doing their own polling and announcing every week that Trump is finished, you know, he's now started right. a fight with John McCain. He's he's done, he's history. Then the next week he had a some sort of a comment that he made about the Pope. And then everybody said, oh, he's done now. You know, he right. said something about the Pope. He's finished. The election's over. He doesn't, right. he stands a 1% chance of, of winning this if he ever should become the nominee. But I predicted that he was going to win because two of my best friends who also voted for Obama twice were now both supporting Donald Trump. And I thought 
this made me think, well, something's interesting is going on here. This isn't just a situation of angry white men with a third grade education. You know, this is maybe a cross section of people across our country. And I started conducting my own poll, which was nonjudgmental. Because if you think about it for a minute, the Trump, anybody who was backing Trump was so vilified, and you still see some of this going on by the media and by certain factions in our society, that people weren't willing to, to tell a pollster, some anonymous person who calls them up on the phone, they're not going to tell that person, oh, yes, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. They're going to hedge. They might even lie and say got they're it. for Hillary. Okay. Well, and here's one question I got to ask you, too. As a woman, so all the things that Trump said, that were in a, as a woman, you weren't offended by any of Trump's remarks, like that hot mic stuff that came out. Well, that that was certainly an unfortunate um, event. Okay, but it didn't change your vote. No, it didn't. And okay. I think most people don't vote based on insults. Okay, okay. Well, here's and here's the other thing I got to ask you, because I got lots of questions for you. In so little time, Obama has come out recently and said, you know what, if he would have ran, he would have won. Now, you voted for him twice. If it was Obama versus Trump, which way would you have voted? Boy, you know, I would have to put you on the spot. You're putting me on the spot with this question. I'm not sure. Okay, fair enough. I probably would have voted for Trump, but I'm not sure. I would have had to have looked at everything on that campaign. And I think, you know, Obama had brought a lot of um, energy and he had a message Mm -hmm. when he ran the first time, certainly. Whereas Hillary didn't have that. She didn't have the charisma. She didn't have a message other than I'm a woman. And I'm supporting all these different factions. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, uh, Speaking of which, I think it's always important to survey Democrats. Were there any other Republican candidates that you would have been excited about or you would have have voted for? All the 17, anybody else that you thought would have been good? No. None? No. Wow. Okay. See, this is huge. This is huge. And this plays into part of my theory that Trump's probably the only person that could have won. You know? What do you think? I, I tend to agree with you. Right. It's it's really hard to say. Okay. You know, you just don't know what would have happened. Um, there's so many October surprises that right. occur at the last minute that can change an entire election, as we know. Right. Okay. Well, speaking of which, what's your take on what the Democrats are saying, that it was FBI Director James Comey that actually flipped this, erect, this election for uh, for Trump? I think that that's part of the problem with the Democratic Party right now is that they're not looking at the real reasons they lost this election. And that's that they ignored a lot of the American workers. They ignored the guy in Ohio who is worried about losing his job because his company is going to move out of the country. You know, they're they're not listening to the average American who's a veteran, who is maybe not one of their identity groups that they feel they need to back. Um, so, so the point is that we can't attribute this to a Russian hack or, or an FBI reopening an investigation. You think she'd have lost anyways? I can't speak about the inf- the situation with the hacking. Okay. I haven't looked at all the information. In fact, sure. I don't even think it's been revealed to us. Well, if no, that's true. If information comes out, I'd want to see it. Correct. And we don't even know if the Russians hacked. I mean, as a matter of fact, what, what do we have? We have some emails from John Podesta who, I don't even know if you could really call it a hack. The guy's just an idiot because he responded to an email asking to change his own security code and he did it like a doofus. And that's why we ended up getting all this information regarding the DNC. Um, what, what are you hoping for from Trump? What do you want to see? Um, and how can he continue to convince more people that he's the guy that should be in charge? Well, I'm also a skeptic. Okay. And I understand that Trump, once he, Donald Trump, once he gets into office, he might not be able to deliver everything that he promised during the campaign. All right. That's the reality of politics. So what are your, what are your important things that you want to see him do? 
I hope that he'll continue to reach out to businesses. I think that there's a need to reduce some of the regulation that's been put on big business, that that's what's driving them, certainly out of California, the state that we live in here, um, as well as out of our nation. I hope that he will do continue to talk about immigration and some of the issues. I think he's going to be busy during the first four years just dealing with deporting the two to three million um, illegal criminals from our country. Right. So you want to see you want to see a wall. Um, I'm not so sure he's going to build a wall. Okay. I think we'll have to wait I think and see. he will. We'll find out. But I think he's definitely going to make an impact in that area. Okay. All right. Very good. As a Democrat, how do you, I mean, you look at the Democrat Party over the course of time that you've been a Democrat. Do you think that it has changed? In other words, has it gone further left? And certainly maybe as an example of that is, is Bernie Sanders as a candidate. What's your opinion of Bernie Sanders? And do you think your party has changed and gone far to the left? I think what happened in this latest election was that Hillary Clinton was the heir apparent. You know, everybody, the insiders were going to make sure that she was the nominee and try to get her elected. So it was kind of a done deal. So I think that that kept other candidates from entering the race this year. You had Bernie Sanders, who was far to the left, but he became very popular, maybe because people didn't like Hillary. Right. Right. She's not a terribly likable person. Not and that Bernie Sanders was a great can- candidate. It's just that that was the only other option. And he seems like the real deal. Right. He, no, he seems is sincere. A, right. He comes across as a real person, whereas Hillary, unlike her husband, Bill, doesn't seem like the real deal. She seems a little bit programmed. <clears throat> she seems kind of scripted. Absolutely. Oh, okay. All right. Um well, here's, here's a question. Would you consider switching parties and becoming a Republican? I see myself more as an independent voter. Okay. I believe that in California, you still need to be registered in one party in order to vote in the primary election. Right. I could be wrong. Maybe that just changed. Um, but I see myself more as an independent. I'm neither left nor am I right. I try to look at what's right for the country, what's right based upon the evidence that I'm aware of. Okay, fair enough. So uh, obviously, but you did you did vote uh, for Trump this year. So how does it feel to be correct politically as opposed to politically correct? That's a joke. Well, that's your opinion, of course, Scott. And we'll st- I'm sure we'll still have some debates on some minor points. Yes, we will. Which will keep it interesting. No, absolutely. It's never going to be boring. All right. So here's here's one thing that I have to ask. As a Democrat, what advice would you give to our side to to win? Because, I mean, let's face it. You pointed out a big part of the problem is that the media controls like or the Democrat Party controls 95 percent of the media. They seem to control 95 percent of colleges and universities out there. They own Hollywood. They basically own the media message. We're at a real big disadvantage on our side. As a Democrat, what advice would you give to our side, <clears throat> excuse me, to help win in the future? To the Republicans? Yeah. To our um, side. What do we need to do? I think people need to come more to the center. Okay. I think that Explain. People, elaborate on that. I what does that, that mean? Well, I think that your centrist candidates like Bill Clinton is a, is a good example. What a lot of people don't realize, I was in Washington. Um, I was in New York during the convention. Then I was in Washington during his inauguration. And a lot of the far left- By the way, did he grope you while you were there? Sorry. Now that's, you can't ask about that. <laughs> I, I think Sorry. in a way we had equal footing in that, in that area between okay. the Republicans and the Democrat with Bill and, and Donald both being a little bit suspect. <laughs> Fair um, enough. 
So you were saying things that we need to do. How, how do we get our message across? How do we how do we continue what we've built upon right now? I think people need to realize that most America for most Americans, it's about the economy. Okay. And number one, they're more concerned about their jobs than any other issue. Okay. You know, they're not concerned about who uses what bathroom. That became kind of a sideshow. Right. They're interested in helping the economy. How do I support my family? Yep. How can we be safe? Those right. are issues that all Americans care about. I think they need to address those issues and not a lot of these fringe issues that don't control how people vote. Okay, fair enough. And I think for me, at least the three most important you know, uh, policies, things I'm most concerned about. It is jobs in the economy. It's about national security and it is about immigration. And I think you would probably, would you agree with that? Those are your three. Okay. Because to me, those issues are kind of one and the same issue. In other words, they're so tightly knit together that you can't separate, you know, obviously terrorism costs us billions of dollars. Uh, Having open borders has cost us billions of dollars uh, and a lot of jobs as well, because, you know, they're driving down the the cost of wages. Um, So you'd say those, those are probably the three things we need to focus on. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, excellent. Excellent. It's been great having you in studio. Um, Any final comments you want to make? Uh, Any final thoughts for the... Um, Just that I wish our country well. If Donald Trump succeeds, our country succeeds. I don't support everything in the Republican Party platform. Let me be clear on that. I'm not a Republican, Um, but I hope that he has a successful presidency, but a because if he succeeds, America succeeds. Awesome. Jance, thanks for, uh, for coming in the studio today. Thank you, Scott. All right, no problem. So when we come back, I will outline the top 10 biggest morons of 2016. I'll be right back after news, traffic, and weather. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the main event. I'm Scott McAfee. I'm the owner of Don's Bicycle Store in Rialto and Redlands, and I'm filling in for Ed Hoffman this week. Ed is on vacation He'll be back next week. I do need to make my normal disclaimer, and that is I am not a professional radio talk show host. I'm just an incredible simulation. Actually, the fact of the matter is I'm just a regular person just like you, but I'm very politically incorrect, and I have a big mouth, and I'm not afraid to use it, which makes me the perfect nose for Ed. So if you do want to listen to a bunch of politically correct crapola, then by all means, turn the dial to NPR, because this is the station that is not funded by your federal tax dollars. This, by the way, is a fair and balanced show, so you're going to get not only the right-wing opinion on news, politics, and events, you're going to get the extreme right-wing opinion on news, politics, and events. And I am your host. So as I promised you, I thought it would be interesting to look back on 2016, uh, because obviously a lot happened. Certainly the election of Donald Trump was the, the biggest news uh, of the year, and all I can say is I got what I wanted for Christmas this year. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's, it's going to be kind of cool because Ed and I are actually going back for the inauguration. I think we're actually going to try and do the show back there. I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do it, but the point is it's so good. I can't even believe it's true. So I want to go back and see it for myself. I'm definitely looking forward to that coming on January the 20th. Uh, the other thing I did want to mention, too, is that I will actually be speaking uh, to the Mountain View Republican Club. That is coming up on Monday, January the 9th. Uh, the meeting starts at 6 and uh, go, and I'll be start speaking at 7. I'd love to have you come out. I'd love to meet some of you in person. Um, it's going to be at the St. Ambrose Church in Claremont. Um, it's 830 West Bonita Avenue, Claremont, California. Um, and if you do want to pre-register, they ask that you pre-register. It's free, by the way. Uh, you can call 909-305-3717. 
That's 909-305-3717. Or you go on to MVGOP at Reagan.com. So that's MVGOP at Reagan.com. So once again, that's Monday, January the 9th. I will be there speaking at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you can make it. So... Let's get down to business here. As I promised, we're going to go through the top 10 biggest morons of 2016. We're going to start with Van Jones, uh, who, after the uh, the defeat of Hillary Clinton, the election of Donald Trump, had this to say uh, regarding what he thinks happened. So take it away, Van Jones. This was a white lash. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black president in part. And that's the part where the pain comes. That's the part where your pain comes and my joy begins. Look, Van Jones is a professional race baiter. Um, This is what he does for a living. It's all about race. That's how he pretty much views the entire world. And by the way, for those of you who don't remember, I think it was like eight years ago, Van Jones was going to be one of Obama's czars. Uh, He was actually going to be a green jobs czar, whatever that means. It's probably just getting paid a lot of money to do nothing. But uh, Jones was actually under fire for his past affiliation with the 9-11 conspiracy truthers and for calling Republicans a-holes in a video before he was appointed uh, to the Obama administration. So basically he was appointed and then had to resign. Um, Jones's roots in radical politics and a, and a spate of newly surfaced links Saturday documenting his advocate. This was actually um, some I pulled up on him. Uh, his advocacy for convicted cop killer and former Black Panther Mumia Abu Jamal, who is a death row prisoner who many in the activist left view as an unjustly convicted political prisoner. Uh, Jones said on the eve of historic fights for health care and clean energy, opponents to reform have mounted a vicious smear campaign against me. This was actually eight years ago, by the way. They're using lies and distortions to distract and divide. The funny thing I think about this is that, you know, Van Jones was actually almost too radical for Obama. So there are actually limits in terms of how radical you can be and be an Obama appointee. So Van Jones is even too radical for Obama, but he counts, in my opinion, as moron number 10. So now we move on to moron number nine, and that's Colin Kaepernick, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback who decided to kneel during the national anthem. Um, Let's play a little clip from uh, Colin Kaepernick. I mean, ultimately, it's to bring awareness and make people, you know, realize what's really going on in this country. There are a lot of things that are going on that are unjust. People aren't being held accountable for and that's something that needs to change. That's something that, you know, this country stands for freedom, liberty, justice for all. And it's not happening for all right now. Yeah, but you didn't stand. You knelt. Um, the only thing I would say is I find it I find it kind of ironic that you have this guy who basically has benefited as much as you can benefit from being a member of the United States of America. I mean, he's he was he was brought actually raised by by white parents. He's half white himself. Um, he has had a, a wonderful career. He's a multimillionaire. So I find it just a bit bizarre that a guy like him can come out and, and, and accuse the United States of being this racist, um, you know, uh, oppressive country. And and what he doesn't get is that when you kneel, when you don't stand for the national anthem, that means you don't stand for what this country is all about. You don't stand for all the men and women who have fought and died to make this country the greatest place on earth. He doesn't get it. And if this guy wasn't a big enough moron already, he had to go further out 
and show his support behind some of the policies of Fidel Castro. I agree with the investment in education. Uh, I also agree with the investment in free universal health care, um, as well as the involvement in hand, uh, helping end apartheid in South Africa. You know, I would hope that everybody agrees those things are good things. Um, and trying to push the false narrative that I was a supporter of the oppressive things that he did uh, is just not true. Okay, so you like the good things that he did, but not the bad things like, oh, I don't know, murder thousands of people, torture thousands of people. I actually have friends who uh, came from Cuba. And if you want to hear what Cuba is all about, you talk to somebody that actually lived there. It is an absolute hellhole. Um, the average living wage in Cuba is like $20 a month. $20 a month these people live on. Um, good luck saying anything out about their government. Good, good luck um, if you know you're not there uh, cheering on Fidel Castro as his coffins wheel down, uh, you know, the, the alleyways of Cuba. Good luck having any voice at all in that country. It is, it's other than North Korea. It's probably the worst place on the planet to live, and it's because of Fidel Castro. So... Ryan, uh, Colin Kaepernick, he was my moron number nine. So let's move on to moron number eight. That was Ryan Lotke. And, you know, when I look at sports figures, I was actually a, a competitive cyclist myself. I competed in the U.S. Olympic trials. I went pretty far in, uh, in cycling. And the thing that I noticed is that as you get to kind of an elite level of any sport, some of the people that are actually at the very top are kind of weird. They're kind of odd. And there's just a lot of people that particularly in swimming i think you almost have to be a little a little odd to spend hours and hours in a pool you know going back and forth no offense to swimmers but at least when you're on a bike you get to see some cool stuff uh but certainly you gotta you almost have to be a little strange but when this story broke that ryan lotke was robbed um and that there were several other athletes who were being held against their will in brazil uh by the authorities i was actually outraged i was outraged um, because you figure, okay, Brazil, there's a lot of corruption. Little, little did I know at the time that basically Ryan Lotke's an idiot and made the whole thing up. Let's go ahead and play this clip from Ryan Lotke. You told me on the phone, Ryan, you said, we are victims here. We are victims, and we're happy that we're safe. In the police press conference, they said, not victims, they're vandals. How do you feel about that? It's how you want to make it look like uh, whether you call it a robbery, whether you call it extortion, or us paying uh, just for the damages. Like, we don't know. All we know is that there was a gun pointed in our direction, and we were demanding to give money. Uh, 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 yeah, we got Beavis up there. Um, he did mention damages, so it was obvious that he did, he and some of his fellow swimmers, went into a gas station, they vandalized it, and a security guard came up to them and asked them or told them they would have to pay for the damages. You know, this is kind of an example of what some people refer to as the ugly American. Um, it promotes the view that a lot of the world has that we're just a bunch of arrogant schmucks. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I go to a foreign country, I almost look at myself as an ambassador of the United States. In other words, 
I don't want people to have interactions with me and going, yep, there's one more arrogant American out there because I know that a lot of the world has that opinion of us. So the point is you're, you're, you're an ambassador of this country. For you to go over there and trash and destroy property just because you think you're something else, uh, you know, that, that qualifies you in my book as being moron number eight. So let's move on to morons number seven. This is actually kind of a group of morons. These are celebrities who actually said that they would leave the country if Trump was elected. And there's a whole bunch of them. Um, and, you know, I got a whole list. And, and just to kind of roughly go through this, we had, was it Whoopi Goldberg? Uh, we had Amy Schumer, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There was like a, a list of these folks. So we've got a couple of, couple of clips. This is comedian Amy Schumer telling about how she will leave the country if Trump's elected. If it isn't Hillary in November, does your act change? Does your outlook change? My act will change because I'll need to learn to speak Spanish because I will move to Spain or somewhere. (laughs) Well, great. Uh, Now, she's still here as far as I know. Well, actually, she didn't end up moving at all. Um, First of all, she says, uh, the interview, uh, this is her response after. She says, first of all, the interview I said I would move was in London and was said in jest. Not that anyone needs more than a headline to count something as official news. So uh, so she's part of this collection of morons. Another one, Whoopi Goldberg, was another person who said she would leave the country. And if you listen closely, you can hear one of her, the View co-hosts, telling her to be careful about saying it. Maybe it's time for me to move. And what's you know? wrong with being PC? Don't say that. No, no, no but you because know, I can, <laughs> listen, I can afford to go. Yeah. Where would you go? I, I don't know. Go, Whoopi. Could you please go, Whoopi? As a matter of fact, we're actually going to start a fund here on the main event to pay for a one-way ticket to any of these people that said they would move. We want them to move. Now, granted, we can't afford to you know, mow all their stuff because I'm sure they have a lot of stuff. Um, and you know, I, I got some travel brochures actually from Cuba as well as North Korea, some places where I think they'd actually fit in really well. Certainly, there were a lot of them, though, that made fun of Trump. And I wanted to play a little clip because this is people who were making fun of the idea of Donald Trump being president. There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. Um, That's not going to happen. Donald Trump will not become president. He's not going to be president. He is not. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. I guarantee it. All right. All right. I think if he becomes the president here, make make it great because the states is already great. I think that man will be president of the United States right about the time that spaceships come down filled with dinosaurs and red capes. On that note, Tom. (laughs) Take it from me. How about that? And then, of course, there's Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. Donald Trump just last week he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do it. Look, look at me. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now on behalf of this country which does not want you to be president but which badly wants you to run. So when you stand and deliver that State of the Union address, in no part of your mind or brain can you imagine Donald Trump standing up one day and delivering a State of the Union address? Well, I can imagine it uh, 
in a Saturday night skit. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. He will never be president of the United States. And uh, we better be ready for the fact that he might be leading the Republican ticket next. <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but I want to go on. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. Okay, here we are. And which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. So right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say you're not going to be president. All right. But, but, but come on, come on, buddy. All let's say cow poo poo aside, there is zero chance we'll be seeing you being sworn in on the Capitol steps with your hand on a giant golden Bible. I'll make a prediction, though, for you. And I don't really get into predictions much, but this one I'll go way out on a limb. Donald Trump will never, ever be president of the United States. That Trump should not be in this race. He's an absurdity. He is a travesty. Donald Trump will never be elected president of the United States. Donald Trump is a here today, gone tomorrow candidate for president of the United States. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Uh, ever respectful of the fact that the people have not voted, he's not going to be president of the United States. Let's be clear. Donald Trump will lose the election. I mean, he had a really good chance to be different and really have a chance to change things, but yeah. he, he doesn't do the work. He's lazy. We talk about him every day and we continuously he's bash him. He's not going to be the president. He- Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's to be a wake-up call to the Republican Party. Uh, despite Boris thinking that Donald Trump could win New York, like this, the, the presidential race is over. It just, just, could I just cut through? I have one thing to say, one thing only. And that is that this race is over. Tomorrow morning, the money will dry up. The Republicans will start to hide. Trump has no place to go. This race, effectively, as of tonight, is no longer a presidential race. I will get, I mean, everything I know about presidential politics, and I've been through five of them, I've never seen one like this. This race is over. You might as well accept it. And the question now is, how do you minimize damage? And the only way you can do that, it seems to me, yeah. is to try to grab hold some old conservative value things and do what Mondale did in 84, which is try to save a few people down ballot. But as far as Donald Trump's concerned, it will never, ever, ever happen. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. All right, who's laughing now? Uh, More on number six. These are Trump protesters. I'm not even going to bother to play this clip, but these are people who went out and protested the Trump election. And in the process, they damaged property. They broke into car windows. um, And basically, that was uh, that was their method of getting their message across. Uh, Never Trumpers. That was more on number five. Some of the never Trumper Republicans who ended up changing their minds at the last minute. Um, included Congressman Jason Chaffetz, Republican Senators John Thune, Deb Fisher, and Mike Mike Crapo. What a bad name that is, Crapo. But look, I mean, you're a never-Trumper. If these people had their way, 
Hillary Clinton would be the president of the United States. And the only thing I can tell them is look at some of the appointees that Trump has made so far. We have a pro-lifer in charge of the health and human services. We have a climate change denier and a guy that sued the EPA now running the EPA. We have a governor who wanted to eliminate the Department of Energy now running the Department of Energy. We have a woman who is pro-school choice running the Department of Education. Uh, We have generals running the Defense Department who are not afraid to use the word radical Islamic terrorism. More on number four is Miss Venezuela. She made news when Hillary used her as a prop in the second debate. Uh, We're talking specifically about Alicia Machado. Um, She allegedly uh, said that Trump called her Miss Piggy and other degrading terms. Let's hear it from her own words. Seem to be denying the specific charges Hillary leveled, which is the language of Miss Piggy and Miss Housekeeping. Was anybody there to witness when he said those things to you? And this happened 20 years ago. And, you know, um, I don't need to share this story if I don't believe that person is not the right person than being a president or trying to be a president. Did anybody understand a thing she said? I don't, I don't understand it. But the idea that somebody calling somebody Miss Piggy 20 years ago uh, is more important than, I don't know, like national security, terrorism, the economy. Um, so she gets more on number four. More on number three is the cast of Hamilton. When Mike Pence went to the Broadway play Hamilton in November, he was treated unlike any other guest by the cast and not in a good way. Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you and we truly thank you for joining us here at Hamilton and American Musical. We really do. We, sir, we are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us. You know, I don't know what people paid to go actually see this Broadway production. I know it's not cheap. And I think the last thing people want to do is go there and hear somebody spout off their political viewpoints. Why can't these people be like Ed and myself and keep their political viewpoints to themselves? I think that's that's the question. Uh, More on number two are all pollsters, uh, people that got it so, so very wrong, including this guy, Sam, Sam Wang Wong. Uh, He's telling MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell about Hillary's landslide victory. It's a narrow lead, as it's been for much of the season, but uh, a pretty highly likely victory. I would be very surprised if anything else happened. Uh, Your consortium has put out a a projection of a 99% chance of winning. Is that correct? Yeah. We should be careful about probabilities this high, because once the probability gets that high, it's not so clear that it matters whether it's 91%, 95%, or 99%. But yes, that's right. The, uh, the probability is high enough that my side is reporting it is currently above 99%. So that was, that was Sam Wong. And, and the funny thing is, you know, you think these people actually know what the hell they're talking about. This guy is a college professor. He's a professional political analyst. He, Sam Wong couldn't have been more Wong if he'd have tried. I'm sorry, but, you know, 99%. And I remember hearing this thing. Well, this guy, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I mean, he he, he must be correct. Uh, but all the polls were wrong. Uh, and uh, and they know it. And yet, uh, did they lose their paychecks as a result of that? I don't think so. 
Finally, I want to save the best for last. This is the top number one moron of 2016. Can I get the drum roll, please? The biggest moron of 2016 goes to Anthony Weiner. That's right. Anthony Weiner. You know, this guy probably contributed more to Donald Trump's campaign than anybody else. Because, you know, you can contribute many different ways, right? You can contribute monetarily. You can contribute time. I, I actually went to Trump rallies. I've never been more flipped off uh, in, on more occasions than any other time in my life. Called more names, et cetera, et cetera. But we can all contribute to different ways. But Anthony Weiner contributed in a very unique way by sexting, texting whatever pictures of himself to underage girls and, and causing an FBI investigation as a result. Um, so... Basically, that reopened the FBI case, and according to Hillary Clinton, it was the thing that kind of tanked her campaign. I guess my question is, where does this moron go now? I mean, where, where does he work? Who's going to hire him? Um, I think that maybe we'll find him working at Hot Dog on a Stick somewhere, which I think would be kind of ironic. Don't you think Anthony Weiner working at Hot Dog on a Stick? He could be wearing that funny little hat, right? As a matter of fact, I want to like go in there and say, hey, hey, where's the relish, you know? I think I actually would relish that moment. Um, but yeah, Anthony, went, and let's not forget his, his lovely wife, Uma Abedin. I don't know, why, why didn't she ever take her, uh, her married name? I never understood that. That would make her Uma Wiener. And if she had kids, they could call him Ima and Yora. And don't forget their uncle Oscar Meyer either. I think that's, that's important. Um, so uh, again, Anthony Wiener, you are the official biggest moron of the year. Thank you so much. Matter of fact, we have a little clip of Trump thanking Anthony Weiner. Thank you, Uma. Thank you, Uma. Good job, Uma. Thank you, Anthony Weiner. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I want to wish everyone a very happy new year uh, as we go into 2017. If Look, if you're a conservative and you're a Republican, your time has come. If you're pro-life, pro-religious liberty, your time has come. If you find the idea of giving the terrorist state of Iran billions of dollars and you're appalled at how we treat the legitimate state of Israel like garbage, your time has come. If you're sick and tired of the endless parade of idiots and morons going on and on about what a lousy, rotten, racist, sexist country we live in, your time has come. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate. Broker license number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB number 096199. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.